Hey guys, welcome to uh, Biomast episode 11. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in for all the live uh, live listeners. We're up on the uh, Biomast channel in game, and we're streaming live, obviously. And we will always be putting this up on iTunes on your RSS feeds. Probably about an hour after the show's over, we usually have it up. So with that, uh, kind of a fun show tonight, as usual. Uh, very relaxed tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about two or three main things and try to eat our time up mostly. Uh, talking about Hotfix Charlie, or at least the proposed things for Hotfix Charlie. Um, we're joined by uh, a smaller audience tonight, or at least a smaller crew on the inside, so we'll probably have a pretty good conversation going back and forth. We might get a couple surprise guests that pop in and out uh, during the the uh, broadcast, and that'll be pretty cool as always. And we welcome hot drops usually, yeah, mostly. Uh, and so uh, feel free if you if you want to pop on, we can always probably add you to the show at some point. So with that, uh, we'll go ahead and knock out our intros and uh, Sarizel. Yeah, uh, this is uh, Sarizel. I am uh, an alliance leader for the Top Men Alliance. I am also um, a member of the Bastion in EVE Online, and I am running for CPM1. Awesome. Okay. Iron Wolf? I'm Iron Wolf Saber. I am Council Planetary Management uh, Council member. I'm also running for CPM1. Derry? Hey guys, this is Derry from OSG. Um, I'm a director for OSG and tech support here on Biomass. And I'm actually one of the guys not running for CPM. <laughs> Pokey. I'm Pokey Draven, CEO of OSG Planetary Operations, uh, council member on uh, Covert Interventions Alliance, and I'm also running for CPM1 for one more week, and we'll see how that goes. Okay, and uh, can we get some thunder from the down under? Seriously, I was going to play. The, I was going to play my theme music, but I won't this time. Yeah, uh, I'm the Black Jackal. Uh, as I say, from from down under, I'm running for CPM1, former CEO and founder of the Southern Legion. Okay, awesome. And I'm Jason Larison. I'm a member of OSG Planetary Operations, uh, member of the Covert Intervention Alliance, co-host here on the Biomass Podcast, and uh, I fly with uh, Contraband Incorporated on the Eve side. So with that, we're going to kind of jump right into it, and, and I'll kind of tee this up a little bit, and, and we'll just, just want to kind of you know talk to you guys about the CPM voting. We've gone a lot into detail about... Um, all the different candidates, the different things that the CPM could do or should do or shouldn't do in some cases, um, and what the future might mean for Dust and Legion. And, and, and ultimately, you know, all that is somewhat academic at this point. It's really about you guys, the listeners, and, and really everybody in the community actually getting out to vote. And we just wanted to take a couple minutes just to talk about the importance of voting and uh, and where you can vote. And that's the number one thing. No matter who you vote for, whether it's one of the guys on the show or one of the guys not on the show, it, it to a degree, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's always be best if you pick the guy that you personally think is going to represent you, the player, and the community, and your interests back to CCP and help communicate what CCP is doing down to you. I highly encourage everybody to do their individual homework on that one. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, it's really about, hey, get on there, vote, make an informed decision as best you can, even if it's only going off the vote match site or only going off like the candidate uh, you know, threads in, in the, on the forums. So I, I did kind of just want to open it up to everybody if, if they had any comments about literally just kind of pushing the vote a little bit. Uh, feel free to chime in, guys. Just vote hard, vote often. If, you, if you've got an account that's able, eligible to vote, throw your vote in the mix. Every vote counts. Every vote shows CCP that people do actually care about the future of this game and where it's going to go. 
Yeah, I mean, if you care about enough about the game to, to be listening to this, you probably care enough that you need to be voting. I mean, you may not agree with any of the candidates 100%, but you really do need to get out there and support the ones that you think will at least get the closest possible to what you want. Otherwise, you may get people that are nothing like what you want. So, you know, get out there and, and, and you know, at least at least vote for one or two guys. Get them on the, get them on the list. Absolutely. And just a quick note, uh, just in case there's any question, uh, you got to have 60 hours in game play, I believe, and your character's got to be three months old, and that's really the the minimum requirement. So you probably 60 hours in the past 12 months specifically. Yeah, 60 hours in the last 12 months, and and you probably have, uh, or you may very well have an alt or two that that might be eligible to vote as well. So don't pass that opportunity up either. And just remember, if you don't vote, you can't complain that um they, these people don't voice their concerns. I'd also like to point out those of you who try to vote on day one and may have, have problems on your iPads or other touch devices. They have now since then fixed it. Also, Zion Shad, one of the other candidates running for CPM1, has managed to figure a way to make um, voting possible on a PS3 browser. You can find the exact steps on how to do this on the general discussion forums. Yeah, the mobile fixes made the PS3 browser voting a lot better, too, from what I heard, so... Yeah, that's awesome. I was actually experimenting around a little bit when Chad posted that up on Twitter just to see how that worked. It, it does actually look pretty legit. It's a little cumbersome, but it actually does work. So, again, if you don't have a PC or a tablet, you can always vote through your PS3. So, uh, And, again, this is a great example of the community will generally find a way to plug the gaps that CCP uh, occasionally leaves open. So that's that's all right. And uh, like I said, guys, I really just wanted to touch on that real briefly before we kind of got into the meat of the conversation tonight with Hotfix Charlie and a couple things down coming down the road in Legion. Uh, so again, I think the guy said, right, vote early and vote often. And at the end of the day, uh, you really have don't have a lot of room to gripe if you didn't vote. Uh, you know, trust me, we're going to get plenty of folks griping and trolling. That's just how it works. But it's always a little bit better when you can do it from a position of at least a high ground to say you voted or you didn't vote. Uh, okay, guys, uh, with that, what I'd like to do is kind of transition over to the kind of the meat of the topic tonight, which is going to be hot fix Charlie. A um, lot to be said about that one. And we've got kind of the list open right here. And I'll kind of run down. Uh, before we kind of get started, uh, literally, I'll just run down the, the bullet list real quick that Rotati's put up uh, just to kind of cue everybody. And we can touch on either hit them in order or if you guys have certain ones that you're particularly interested in, you know, no drama with that. So what I'll do literally is blaze through it real quick and we'll get started. As soon as I pull it up. You roll an Internet Explorer 7 over there? Uh, yeah, see, I knew you were going to do that. You're killing me. I didn't know Internet Explorer ran off of you know Apple devices. Yeah, it's, it's actually, actually crossing the stream just there, like Ghostbusters. Just there was a good uh, back in the day. You could get like I think it's Internet Explorer five on a Mac, and and but actually I guess that explains it. He's using he's probably using Safari, which is um, probably the only browser that ever managed to be worse than Internet Explorer. So okay, okay, all right. Every, just everybody get it out. Everybody in the channel, just go ahead and get it out. We had it until the empty airtime. We had it until the empty airtime for you. Get, if you guys want to throw some, some rotten apples at me, see, I even helped you out there, Shri. Everybody, oh, Believe it or not, I, I cut out, we cut out the silence, so we actually could have like a good five-minute pause, and it would sound completely normal during the actual during the recording on iTunes. Yeah, right. So at this point, since, since you, I, and everybody else in the channel knows that, that's basically you just trying to actively troll me. Okay. Yes, I've, yes, it is. Um, I've... 
I've the, written your though. name down in my book. And watch this. It's in blue pen, and I'm going to strike a line through it. Ah, see right. that? Okay, there we go. All right. So in, in the meantime, um, just, just to let people know, um, we are working on getting uh, uh, the entire podcast uh, up into iTunes. We're starting with the beginning of it and, and through, and so uh, that should be available in the near future um, as well. Okay. All right. Here we go, guys. Um, so the bullet list for Hotfix Charlie, I'm going to go through them real quick, and then basically we'll open it up and we can chime in on, on the stuff that we think is kind of most relevant and most interesting. So first and foremost, uh, the primary, primary objective is going to be buffing the assault role or the assault class. A lot of different ways to do that, and I'm sure that'll be a, a good point of discussion. Uh, a little bit of talk about a slight HMG heat buildup uh, increase, basically tuning the weapon a little bit, uh, messing with the Sentinel CPU PG, maybe working with a heavy heavy weapons fitting bonus. Uh, some discussion about changing the installations uh, in terms of their AI and their ranges, and basically uh, the war point level, uh, you know, sort of the pinata effect, if you will, maybe reducing that a little bit. Uh, here's a good one, blaster accuracy improvements for both small and large turrets. And that's something we've touched on on the show here on more than one occasion. Uh, there is some talk about modifying scout bonuses, uh, trying to make the MR suit more relevant, basically, and maybe the Caldaria a, a little less prevalent. Um, looking at uh, juggling some Minimitar scout bonuses, maybe a little bit more into the code breaking or the hacking bonuses. Uh, and, and here's an interesting one, maybe moving the code breakers to a high slot, which I actually kind of think is probably a good idea. Uh, let's see, reducing small rail range compared to a sniper range. That one I'm kind of interested in. I'm not exactly sure what he's getting out of that, but I'd love to hear you guys take on that. A uh, lot of discussion about, uh, logistics, like sort of optimizing the logistics suits, uh, moving them to an even number of equipment, uh, per, you know, per meta tier, basically, uh, juggling sidearms, no sidearms or different sort of bonuses, that kind of thing. Uh, Adding some more points for the injectors that kind of scale based on the type of injector you've got. Uh, the reactive plate sort of evening out the uh, the hit point per second regen. Here's a good one. Uh, OB war points doubled, which I think is probably long overdue and, and welcome from everybody. Uh, increasing the LP payout uh, significantly in faction warfare. Um, this is one that might cause a little bit of love this thing. Removing ambush OMS or remove vehicles from ambush OMS. And let's see, and they've got a variety of other ones that are they're still valuing, but we'll kind of stay with with that as the primary list, and that's really what you're seeing most of the feedback on the forums about. And and what it kind of looks like broadly is they have some little things that they that they're trying to clean up the business on, but actually, if you look at it, they're they're effectively touching every suit class. So while the while the assault suits may be the primary um, target for this, it certainly looks like they're going to touch. All the suits. So this might be considered basically a total suit rebalance. Well, total suit rebalance might be a, a strong way to describe it, but it certainly looks like they're going to tweak just about everything on the board for uh, for the suits. And with that, I'll kind of open it up to you guys. Well, I guess I'll start off. Um, one thing I've been following pretty closely uh, the past week is the talk about the logistics changes, and uh, there was some mention of removing uh, the sidearm from the MR logistics, uh, nerfing their speed a bit. Uh, for all logistics, and, and people are kind of freaking out, probably with good good reason. I think the removal of the MR sidearm is kind of takes away its its little personal flavor of of the suit, and I think it's people freaking out saying, "Oh, well, logistics are 
and turning into slayers again. I think that's a, a big phobia of players. And I, I don't think the addition of a sidearm in exchange for equipment is turning the, that that particular suit into a slayer suit. I think it's it's kind of a nice middle ground between the two. You get a little bit of support, a little bit of backup, uh, you know, offensive ability. But I think that's that's a big mistake. Um, I think he's since retracted that. Now he's talking about adding a sidearm to the Kaldari in exchange for the the extra equipment. I'm not really sure what the plan is with that, but you know, I, I think it's good to see that he's actually taking the feedback from people saying, you know, no, that's that's not good. I think overall, there's kind of a hint of nerfing Lodgy suits further, which I think is is probably a poor choice. I think the Lodgies need to be kind of uh, re-examined in the philosophy behind how they're set up and set them up in such a way that they can actually be support without the chance to abuse them to make the you know super killing machines we used to have. Yeah. Now, for the record, there was like a, a talk of uh, like nerfing their speed a little bit, but uh, and I think you touched on a pokey very quickly. You saw the Logi community. We all sort of uh, crazy cat lady, bet mad props to her. She put up a kind of a what's growing to be a little bit of a thread knot on it. And uh, a lot, a lot of the lodges, we've all come out of the woodworks, and we we were sort of laying out why that would be a bad idea, and some some positive recommendations on how to attack the problem. But uh, he very quickly struck that from the OP. If you'll notice, like you can look in the original post he put up, he's actually lined through that item specifically was the the speed nerf, which I thought was actually kind of a you know that shows he's actually paying attention to feedback. Yeah, I mean, I think overall, the, like, I personally, I mean, this is my personal opinion, but I think that the mentality that Lodges need to be weak defensively is a poor one. I think that if you're a medic or a support role and you're dead, you're useless. And if you don't have the defense to, to actually keep up in a firefight, then you're, again, useless. The key is making sure that the assaults in other classes are, you know, equal or slightly better in terms of defense, but obviously superior in their own roles. So, I mean, like, the, the assault needs to be significantly better than the Lodgy in offensive abilities, but the Lodgy can't be slow and weak and squishy because they're going to get blown away in the first two seconds, and then, you know, what's the point? So the whole idea that you need to nerf Lodgies to make them not be assault suits is is just wrong, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, I'm not advocating the, the, sl- the Slayer Lodgy, but there's other more elegant ways to do it other than just, you know, hacking away at their base attributes. Well, a lot of the stuff that that like uh, even you and I have been throwing around Pokey and uh, and a couple of the other folks is is really it's more about making assaults better at assaulting and Elogies better at supporting, uh, and I, I think that's if you guys go in and check that thread out, it's actually really really good. There's a lot of uh, varied feedback coming from a lot of, a lot of different folks that uh, that run Logi for a different reason, and the cool things what you're really getting is, is the majority of people chiming in are are folks that are support logies by i mean guys that guys and gals that really really want to play the support and the tactician role um and that's that's i mean that's certainly where i come from it at and one of the things that we've kind of talked about is uh you know juggling the bonuses a little bit or perhaps um leveling the slots or or basically sort of creating the the combat lot uh, logistics flavor versus the support logistics flavor uh you know, Z-Dub actually did some great work on that, and it started a lot of good conversation. Uh, anybody else? What do you guys think? Well, from my perspective, the well, because I'm an Omni Soldier, and I do dabble in just about every single class, I felt that the um, MR Logi itself was very under par with its bonus in terms of what it's supposed to be doing and bringing to the field. When you compare it to other classes, particularly the Scouts, they're so much better at putting up links down because they can get to the places faster, and they can evade, um, they can dodge the scans and sensors that um, most of the time the uplinks they do place down get 
left unharassed, thus no need to defend him. Whereas the Amarology, he is so slow, he gets caught very often, and he may not even get to his position to place down the links, and having a sidearm and a light weapon is not going to help him all that much. The most I've been effective been able to use the Amarology is as a frontline medic, keeping people healed up, because the additional HP is um, very, um, it's quite um, useful in not dying from uh, straight shots. Yeah, I mean, to clarify the kind of what Jason was saying, when, when I say combat logic, I'm not saying it's a assault logic. It's kind of a middle ground between full support versus full assault. And I think it's okay to have kind of a blurring of that line and have things a little more survivable um, without, you know, crossing the line, so to speak. And I think, kind of like what Iron Wolf was saying, that the Amar Lodge is actually really quite good at at being in the front lines as a support unit because of that extra HP, and they've got more defenses than any of the other, any of the Lodge suits. So, you know, it's it, it's it's quite a good thing. And I think to remove their sidearm is just going to kind of take that flavor away from it. And I think a lot of the Amar Logic players would be really upset by that. I just ultimately feel that the drop-up link itself is not a logistics tool. It's more of a scout tool. Um, it if MR needs something entirely different for for their support. Yeah, uh, and, and this is actually something that started a lot of interesting discussion uh, based on wh what do you want the lodges to do? I mean, should, you know, there's, you always get this, you know, should they only carry sidearms, jazz, and all this other stuff? Um, I, I kind of tend to disagree with that because primarily, one, I, I actually like to be able to defend myself, and two, uh, sometimes the best support you can give your team is with your gun and not your rep tool. Um, now, with that, I did want to kind of touch on a little bit more about the lodges before we kind of bounce over to maybe the assaults or something. The um, there, There's a lot of discussion about the bonuses and usually tied to racial equipment, uh, things like that. That's what we're seeing basically is that the Mimitar Lodge is heads and shoulders above the other lodges in, in their capabilities. Most of that is because of, because of equipment layout or the number of equipment slots. And they've got the bonus to probably the best minute in the game. And that's actually kind of one of the things that was driving a little bit of the discussion is that should should we even out some of the bonuses or give you multiple pieces of equipment per you know per racial class and stuff like that that uh, you can have a bonus tied to. I, I'm a proponent of that, actually. Uh, I think you, you could probably take a page from the Eve side on this one where uh, all four of the racial logic suits get some sort of buff to uh, their ability to rep. And then you have some second, uh, like more specific racial piece that can go in, uh, you know, as an additional bonus or buff to the, uh, to the class. Uh, so what do you guys think about that? I would actually agree with that, that the, uh, a sort of blanket roll bonus to repairs. Um, and then with the racial flavor on top would give every logi a good solid role in actually support. Yeah, I mean, I, a lot of people have kind of suggested giving them a straight bonus, like a small bonus to all equipment, and I, I do kind of worry that, that would remove from the uh, the, d the diversity between each suit and make them a little too similar. So I'm, I'm more of a fan of maybe a universal repping bonus and then a racial, maybe a, a sub-racial secondary bonus, something that they've got options and stuff they can use, but they're still distinctively different, even if there is some overlap between two suits. I also feel that, like Eve, we have plenty of room for expansion and, and add again more racial flavors of a lot of equipment we currently have, as well as new future equipment. So logistics bonuses will have to change and adapt to those new things that do come in over time. 
No, I know. I know we talked about this a little bit, Iron Wolf, uh, about the addition of new equipment and, and, and whatnot in the game. And do you think that it would be possible to to patch together a, a shield repair tool or a shield transporter tool based off of the the coding we have for the logistics LAV and patching it in with the the art assets from the uh, the uh, sorry repair tool? That would depend how much survived from when we used to have shield repairs. A lot of things have been taken out too, in order to right. keep the keep the game down downsize it is. So, and thing is, CCP Rattati is not not in that phase yet. He's still doing all the low hanging fruit that you that you can easily adjust with um stats changes. Things like creating a brand new piece of equipment with um existing behaviors, but on something that doesn't normally have that behavior, is not been done yet or on the roadmap currently so to say i mean you see you see at the bottom of the charlie um post his delta his delta list he has um sidearms snipers and a few other things to work on first yeah this is more of a long-term thing i was just curious because i think that would be something a lot of players would enjoy having is the ability to, to actually do shield transportation opposed, as opposed well, to just the armor reps you could also split it then, you know, have Mimitara and Kaldari be more about the shield reps and then the Galantina Ma be more about the armor reps, which is what they are each side. Yeah, that's kind of Which would support their own racial flavors. Mm-hmm, exactly. Well, my idea for a shield repairing tool would be a shield defibrillator. You shot it over a long distance and it restart a person's shield spectrum recharging. Yeah, see, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking is more in the lines of like a remote energizer or remote recharger, uh, you know, that maybe... I mean, that's effectively what they are if you really get down to it. Yeah, I think just getting more options is would be a good way to kind of, uh, you know, diversify each racial suit and kind of make them a little more different. Because I, I really don't want to see all Lodges become so similar that it really comes down to just kind of what tanking type you want. I think they should still have some retention of that racial flavor and options help a lot and having, you know, specific bonuses to certain equipment helps a lot. But you, you don't want to you know, box them in as much as they are now, where they have you know one piece of equipment they're good at, and that's it. I think it's a bit too restrictive. Yeah, that's fair enough. The um, so I think I think broadly, like nobody actually thinks that the lodges are bad. Let me let me kind of make that very clear. What it's more about is optimizing them for sort of the given role. Uh, there there was actually some interesting discussion about perhaps adding a. Uh, a sidearm to the Kalaji, like keeping it at three equipment slots, like the MR, and then adding a sidearm because it's got a little bit more of a, uh, you know, a combat flavor to it, I guess, than the other two. I- I'm not, I'm not real sure. I'm sold on that one yet, but that was also one of the interesting parts of the discussion. Um, but kind of broadly, again, it's more about making them better at what they're designed to do, um, sort of incentivizing, not constraining, but really incentivizing them to do the things that, uh, you know, they're really tailored to do in the game. Um, because you can, you can fit a suit to do almost, with almost anything you want. It's just whether or not it's, uh, it's smart to do it or it's actually efficient or effective to do it is an entirely different, different discussion. So, uh, you know, with that, I'd kind of like to hear your guys' thoughts on the other assault or the other medium frame, the assault suits, because you know, we'll get into this in a minute, but I, I kind of really think that you have to touch more than one suit at a time. Otherwise, you're going to end up with the 1.8 scouts again. And that's sort of my big fear about any time you do, through a, do a rebalance is that you, there's a fine line between eating too much or not eating, eating enough. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about the assault suits. What do you well, guys think that they already do? My feeling was that, you know, really the other suits were, were where they're supposed to be. I think heavies and scouts play well. I think that 
The problem is that assaults are too weak, and I think that the biggest thing, if you want to do that, if you want to fix both logies being logies and, and assaults being assaults, I think that you need to talk about a, a specific light weapon damage bonus on, on um, assault suits of some form that's, you know... Because that that actually actively discourages um, using a Slayer Logi without harming support abilities of a Logi. Well, myself, myself, and um, Aeon and a few other guys in uh, a few different chats and stuff like that have actually come up with a concept of this where we balance not only the assault against the Logi, but the Logi, the assault against the Commando suit, which is currently taking the uh, the role of the the assault in 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 a, in a large part, um, putting the Assault or the or the commando into more of a support role. Uh, the idea was originally to switch the the commando role to the assault, so the assault would get the damage bonuses and stuff like that, and the reload speeds and all that sort of stuff that the commando has. Um, but then the commando would get a, uh, a light machine gun approximation. I think it was it was termed as um, where they would get a, a larger clip size, no more ammo, mind you, just a larger clip size for their racial weapons, so that and so they could have a larger sustained fire uh, methods for suppression and stuff like that. So they become more of a long range suppression, whereas the assault would be more designed around getting in there and actually killing stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think the I've said this before, but I think the assault and the commando are, are largely redundant in, in a lot of ways. So when you look at one, you kind of have to look at the other and and say, okay, how are we going to make these different but the same? Because they are both assault suits, more or less. So I think I think definitely taking a look at the commando as well as the assault at the same time is is a really good good way to go at it. And another concept that I've I've seen bounced around is kind of pushing the commando to be more of a uh, a light AV specialist, where the assault is more of a uh, anti infantry specialist. And I think that's another really cool uh, thing to definitely discuss. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on the forums. I encourage you to get on there and actually talk about it because there's some really neat ideas and spreadsheets floating around you should take a look at. You also have to remember that the thing that we're looking at is called a narrative. Nothing in here is guaranteed to even get slated for Charlie, so... Yeah, I mean, we have no... <laughs> we personally have no control over what, what the CCP is doing, but it's it's fun to, to theorycraft and come up with some pretty solid ideas we can offer up as proposal as players, you know? And hey, you know he listens. We have a we have a we have a tweet that says he listens to our podcast. So yeah, that was a pretty nice shot in the arm. The uh, but you know I guess you know broadly the way I would describe it is, uh, you know, in the line of assaulting, making assaults better. There's really two things that spring to mind that you can really do to uh, you know to kind of make things better. It's you, you either beef the DPS or the you know, sort of the secondary weapon drawbacks you like mitigate some drawbacks like uh that kind of thing for the assaults and, and perhaps maybe an hp regen uh be that either armor or shield one of those two because that seems like it's a little bit more uh you know a little bit more practical for something that should be assaulting and taking points uh for the you know by and large and the other thing is like you you want to make it a little bit more competitive with the scout suits uh, because that's the other thing is it's not just about balancing in between the Slayer Logi, which is where you hear probably a lot of the talk, but it's really also about how do you balance against the scout suits. And they've done a lot of great work with the scout suits. And frankly, they're, they were, frankly, probably a bit a bit OP when they came out in 1.8, but they've toned them down a little bit and they're actually in pretty good shape right now. And I think the reason everybody gripes about them is, is because the medium suit, which should be the counter to this to the scouts, not really just isn't really getting it done right now. Uh, so, what do you guys think about that? 
Well, it's interesting because people actually shy away from the idea of assaults getting a straight damage bonus, much like the commandos get, but they don't seem to mind the commandos having the bonus. Like, I always kind of find it interesting, and I really haven't gotten a good explanation of why they're okay with the commando having and the assault uh, not having it. So I was kind of curious in your guys' thoughts, and you know, given giving the assaults a straight damage, you know, two percent a level or something like that for their racial weapon. I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on that? They, they need more than just that, though. They need, they need a defensive thing. Uh, if, oh, no, if I agree. Design, if you're designing assaults to assault a point, you need to do damage, have speed, and be able to survive to an extent. Uh, obviously, you don't want them to go the bucket tank route because that's where commandos and heavies, sentinels currently are. So you probably go for more of the, uh, the regen route with that. Uh, but then the straight damage bonus, I don't see an issue with the assault getting the damage bonus. That's how it really should work. That gives them the offensive capability to set some part from logistics. Yeah, I, I mean, I was just speaking specifically on the on the damage out, but I think that medium frames as a whole need to be focused more around that HP regeneration, which does kind of, again, help set the assaults away from the, the commandos, like you said, that the commandos are more buffer tanked, you know, just brawling, you know, they, they can they can hold their own in a straight on firefight, but they can't really regenerate very quickly, where I think the assaults should be more of a, a skirmisher where they're, they're, they get the, the quick kill and they move and, and get their health back quickly. So I, I think definitely giving them a, a regen bonus of some sort is is really a good thing. Because that's something that they can't really be emulated that quickly with uh, other suits, which is really what they need to have. The assaults kind of lack that that unique flavor to them, unique flavor that a lot of the other suits have. So I think giving them some regen bonus, maybe better offensive bonus. I I, I like the idea of kind of having the the weapon support skills like the MR uh, heat reduction buildup, and then better damage output, just because they they really do need to have something that the others can't replicate easily. Uh, to me, the the easy answer then would be look at the base stats of the suits and swap the recharge that the scout has for what the assault has you might uh <laughs> make some enemies with that one but i think that might yeah, be no, an interesting I, I baseline can, I can to go liter- i literally feel the nova knives coming for me right now <laughs> yeah I like happy is like literally charging remotes right on top of my head <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean i don't know if you need to necessarily take away the scouts regen abilities or maybe tweak it a bit but yeah i think definitely pushing for having the assault having the the, the highest hp regen for you know that they're Damage output versus HP and whatnot, I think, is 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 really good. They need to have something that the others don't have, and I think that's a really good start. Yeah, one of the one of the sort of the parallel ideas that's being kicked around in the Skype channel right now, with uh, over on uh, the discussions channel, is uh, you know either perhaps a signature increase or increasing the penalties to the different modules, which. To, to a degree, while that doesn't sound like necessarily like that's a directly related to suit balance, it kind of it it definitely is a secondary balancing mechanism because if you scale like movement penalties or signature penalties for shield and armor armor tank mods, that does go a long way to kind of evening things out across the suits. But uh, you know, I actually like the idea. I just don't know that that's something that's that's going to be able to make it into Hotfix Charlie. Yeah, it gets a bit further off. Well, it goes back to the whole, whole sensors thing just being not properly done right the first go around. It sensors and dust should have had fall off. That would have fixed a lot of these problems. Yeah, the uh, the all the nothing mentality for the the scans are really a, a real pain in the ass. It makes it really hard to balance things. B- binary um gameplay is usually just bad. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean that that's fair enough. Since I mean we're kind of transitioning to a little bit of the scout discussion, the uh, but to kind of before we roll off the assaults, I think what it sounds like is we're everybody is very much uh, again in agreement that there probably needs to be some, if not out and out DPS increases, 
perhaps something that really touches on the critical secondary skills for racial weapons, uh, perhaps, perhaps regen, you know, maybe speed, something like that, that actually makes them a little bit better at, you know, assaulting, if you will. Uh, and I don't think anybody would, would disagree with that. I mean, that just, if just playing, play, play for a day, you know, play for two, three hours and, and just figure out how many suits that you see that have the word assault in the title, really, honestly, not a whole lot. So, uh, with that kind of talking a little bit about the scouts, th- there is a surprising amount of tweaks to the scouts and the hotfix Charlie list that are read off. And, and I'm just kind of curious what you guys think about that. Well, I think the main goal of these most of these tweaks are supposed to get the Amar and Mimitar up to parity because um, the current two popular ones are the Galinti and the Caldaria one, and it will look like it'll continue to remain that way despite these changes. But at least the Amar and Mimitar ones won't get lauded as being entirely useless afterwards. I think it's really interesting that they, they're considering moving the, the code breakers to the high slot, and I think that's going to actually help the Mimitar scout quite a bit because they, they like to run the, the Kin Cats and the, the Cardiac Regulators, and as you know, those consume the low slots, and then putting the code breakers in the lows as well, it, it makes it difficult to kind of play that, that hacker suit role, which the Mimitar scout is supposed to be. So you, you've got a slot layout that, that isn't really viable for what the role is supposed to be doing for that, that racial variant. So I think moving those to the high is actually going to help quite a lot in, in giving them more options and in getting the speed they need to stay alive while actually fulfilling the role that they're, they're meant to. So I'm, I'm really glad to see that. There's going to be a lot of um, high slot meta playing around with that. You get your armor tank or some, just slapping it on because it's um, probably one of the better options versus the damage mod. Then you got your shield tankers who can um, stack that mod pretty high and um, hack things there instantly. Yeah, I, c- I could totally see that. Now, one of the I think one of the big changes in the scout community is really going to be, and this is this is really where a lot of their feedback is focused on is increasing the precision of the Amars scans, their E-War precision, uh, keeping them basically uh, high, high precision, short range scans, and keeping the Caldari longer range scans with sort of moderate uh, precision, if you will, with the Galente and the Memtar being somewhere betwixt and between those two. And that, that would be a very significant change in the way uh, scout play works now. Yeah, I think it, that would kind of make the uh, the Caldari more more proficient in actually scanning down maybe more medium and heavy frames because they got the, the range bonus where the MR is for uh, grabbing the, the really low profile stuff but close range. I think it, the issue was that the, the Caldari had the best of both worlds. They could see basically everything from very far away and that, that caused a lot of the frustration from, from many players. The term wall hack was thrown around quite a bit because of it. Yeah, but see, it's not really. I, this is where I totally disagree with that. That whole theory that it's a wall hack, I, I, I totally don't buy that. I mean, the, the, if you think about it, you're, you're basically using a sensor on a suit uh, of varying degrees of power and or precision to find other things that are emanating a lot of power and other signals. That's you know, from a conceptual standpoint, that's not a wall hack. That's kind of how it works. Um, and the whole thing about shared squad vision, I'll be honest with you, I, even though I know that it, it really detracts from the active scanner use, I, I kind of don't mind it. I mean, I, I you know, I, there, there's something about it as if it were purely tied to having a scout in the, you know, in the squad. I, well, let me put it this way. I would, I would like it more if there was a module you had to equip that would turn on your, your, um, your shared vision, if you will. I, I would. I think that is a 
an optimal compromise uh, in the, you know, down the road or perhaps in Legion or wherever, but I don't necessarily have a problem with it. It's certainly not a wall hack. I, I'm actually, I'm actually the different opinion. If they remove the um, thing, I, I know a lot of people don't like the mechanic, but the uh, the Q spot mechanics a lot of other games FPS have, where if you spot someone, you can press a button and it designates them for a short amount of time. You know. Um, yeah, that'd be legit. Battlefield has it for like three or four seconds as long as you keep visual. Um, if you lose visual, that marker disappears straight away. So if you move passive scans, but still make it so Caldari can still or Kalari or Mars yeah, can actually see the person in some some respect. If they get, catch a glimpse of them, they can then spot them by pressing a, a button on control. I don't know. Um, I know Battlefield uses select, I believe it is. Um, and you could use that sort of same button, and it just illuminates them for a little bit. And instead of having passive scans, you've got, okay, it's a non-verbal way of saying, hey, there's a guy here. You know, there's, a, there's someone here. You know, it may not tell you what it is. It may not tell you what they're doing, but it tells you there is a guy here. I can see them. So it requires visual visual contact rather than via a wall scan sort of thing. You could you can see them through the wall, like you can as a scout, a Calari scout or an R scout can see see there's a red dot there, but no one else can. So what you have to do is you have to go around, get visual, hit your button, and say, hey, unless you're on comms, of course. If you're on comms, you easily got an advantage. But if you say if you aren't on comms, you can hit the press the button and share it with probably you probably at that point make it your whole team, so you're getting one at a time. See, I kind of worry that the existence of having shared scans on the past scans really steps too much into the, the arena of, of the, the active scanner. I think that scouts have really kind of made the active scanner much less appealing because of those shared scans, where before, you know, it, it wasn't really shared as easily, and the, the, the active scanner made it shared much better. So I think that if the scouts are going to be stealthy, you need to give the active scanner something that's a little more unique rather than what it has right now, which isn't much. Well, what I'm, what I'm saying though is you have to get visual. You there are no passive scans in that general sense. You can scan down yourself, like you know where they are. But if passive scans are removed, you then put in a mechanic that they can non-verbally say to the team, "Hey, I can see a guy." That's virtually it. It's, it's, it's not. It's not. Hey, that you know, there's a whole team over here which the scanners can do. It's I can see this guy, and this is this is the guy I can see here. You know, I've got him in my crosshairs. I press the button. He's there. So you're you're saying they need an actual line of sight to, to an actual line of sight to share that. Okay, you're, you're talking That's about more fair. like a target painter is what you're describing. Yeah, virtually right? yeah. it's 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 called it's called a Q spot mechanic. Um, a lot of games have it. A lot of a lot of FPS games that don't have designation NPC nameplates and stuff like that or PC nameplates on it have it. It's a, it's a simple line of sight. You you get a visual on, and if you can then hit your button while you've got your head crosshair over them, it just says hey. There's a guy there. That's virtually what it says. In some of my battlefield, they've taken the and it says, actually says, hey, you know, there's a there's an engineer here, or there's an AT personnel, or something like that. But you don't, we don't need that. We can just say, hey, there's a guy here. Now, what what do you think about maybe giving that to you know all suits that can actually have a visual line of sight? Well, that, that, would... that 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 would be the way it would have to be able to work. Oh, but the scouts would be better because they they they've got their own personal scans where they can see through the walls, like they can see what the shared scans currently can now, but. They can, are the only ones who can see it. So they'd be better at it. They'd be better at hunting down the people who aren't showing it for everyone else and going, okay, there's a guy there. You know, If you're on comms, obviously, you can share it a lot easier because you've got the scans. You can say, hey, guys, there's a guy around the wall. So giving an incentive to be on comms, but giving you the ability, if you're not on comms with your team, to say, hey, there's a guy here. I can see him. Uh, it, I know it's probably not 
not feasible for dust. But one of the things that would that might be an interesting way to uh, increase the mechanic or, or, or really, you know, add some complexity to it is uh, based on the level of precision that you had. Uh, that's, you know, this is, again, an interesting comment we got from the Skype channel over here is, if you're like you defeat or you pick up the scanned object with X level of precision, like essentially you overmatch, you have certain uh, certainty of what you're scanning. Maybe you get more detail on it, something like that. I actually like the idea that perhaps an active scanner, one of the bonuses you get that, that you don't get any other way is it identifies the suit for you. Like just a different color, a different carrot or something like that, or an icon that tells you if it's a, a light, medium, or heavy frame suit, something that simple. Uh, that could actually be pretty useful. You know, if you could tweak it where the active scanner was just that much more, like mo better information, basically. And I think the other way that they've worked it, and I'm, I'm, I rarely ever step into the scout world just because that's not something I play too much. But my understanding is that the way they, they're trying to set it up, they being uh, CCP is that the active scanner uh, is the highest level of scans available in the game. And I, and I don't think it would be possible for anything to get under the highest level scanner now is the proposal. If that makes sense to me, yeah, I, at least I, I had a couple of scouts try to explain it to me and that's what it sounded like. So I'm hoping I'm not slashing that too bad for the, for the folks out in the barbershop community. I really I'll hope it didn't slash that for you, but that's what it sounded like to me was that basically the active scanner is the Uber scanner, uh, but it's literally at the very highest end of min maxing. Uh, you know, would would that go over the top of the scouts? Yeah, I think that's that's a really important conversation to have because I mean, unfortunately, when you've got this this binary scanning mechanic, someone has to win at the the min max uh, level. So you you have to pick a winner on you know all things considered equal, who's going to win? That that's really kind of shitty because it's you know one side winning over the other. There's no blurry area, and I think kind of what you're talking about, giving that again, that not really viable for dust, but the idea that passive scans give location, but active scans give more information beyond location is actually pretty legit. It's it's a shame we, we probably will never see that for dust, though. I remember back in the old days when um, weapons bullets disappeared at max range, and um, having a sharpshooter was um, prudent to have because that gave you maybe 5 to 10 meters over the other guy. So while you're shooting him, he can't shoot you back. Yeah, it's kind of a pain in the ass. But that's, that's what I would equate the current um, scanning situation to, is the fact that the there is um, a point of where you get scanned, and there's a point where you don't get scanned, and there's like no in-between. Yeah, and we, we just have to pick who's going to be the top dog. You know, at the absolute peak of, of you know, max modules and, and skills, and whatnot, who's going to be the one that, that either scans or gets scanned, you know? And it's, it's a tough question to ask, because, you know, everyone's got their own opinion on it, and it's it's not, there's no really good answer, which is the problem. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's actually pretty fair. The uh, let's see, other other items that they were kicking around. Uh, no, nothing really too much with the heavy suits per se. A little bit of talk about uh, increasing the heat buildup on the machine gun, on the heavy machine gun, which is, you know, I, I I've rarely played heavy, and usually it's a forge when I do. But uh, that sounds reasonably legit to me. I would say that I think the heavies generally are in a really really good spot right now. Uh, and I think that they've got that just about dialed in about as well as they're going to get for the moment. I personally don't see why. Um, 
the heat build-up would be the thing. It's not generally the stream of bullets that causes the issue, it's that you're too close to them that kills you, and you usually die a lot quicker before they even get to the overheat stage. So I'm not sure why a slight heat build-up will actually balance it. I think it's not that it's going to be balancing. It's that it's you can really fire a long-ass time before you actually overheat. I mean, you can you can empty most of your magazine before you, you overheat. I think they just kind of want to... But how, but how much is a slight increase? If it's only like 5%, you're not going to... You're gaining what maybe... You're producing maybe at most one second of fire, if that. Right. No, I'm, I think it's more just kind of toning things down a bit. I mean, it's it's... It's kind of like the the resources on on the the sentinel suits. Like a, a standard sentinel has obscene amount of resources. You can fit pretty much whatever the hell you want on there because there's so few slots and and their PG CPU is so high. And I think it's just kind of bringing things down, not necessarily because they are an issue, but just because they are so excessive that it, it makes sense to kind of tone it back a bit and make it a little more reasonable. Because I mean the the HMG you can like I said you can fire it forever and it's not usually an issue, but it's also excessive. Well, hey, let me ask you guys a quick question. Does does the heat uh, heat buildup change with the different tiers? I don't think so. I mean, that, uh, I mean, conceptually, that would make sense to me. Is that your heat buildup with a better weapon, your heat buildup would be less, if if that makes sense. I know, I know, it applies with the AMR weapons, but not the. I don't think the HMG follows that behavior. But then again, well, I got access like two HMGs, so. Okay. Well, I mean, like I said, I, I think the, I mean, me personally, I think the heavy suits are actually in a really, really good spot. Uh, they, they all seem to, to do, to function well and they can do some things better. You know, they have a little bit of neutrals amongst themselves to a degree, but they, they all seem to be, seem to be working pretty well. Um, kind of want to transition over, if you guys don't mind, to some of like the smaller non-suit things that they've, they've kind of chatted about. Uh, anything stand out in your minds from some of the, you know, sort of secondary or the marginal stuff that they had kicked around for Charlie? The removing ambush OMS or vehicles from ambush OMS. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I'm pretty much dead set against it at the moment, you know. Um, being a vehicle driver, obviously, I'm against it because I want to be able to play my chosen role in as many games as I know they've gone the ambush route. Uh, what I would prefer them to do, and I know it probably require more effort at this point in time, is to separate ambush at OMS and ambush into two separate selectable game modes. They can't do it though with a hotfix. That's, that's, either... that's, that's why I said I just I said that I said that they probably can't do it at this point in time. But I don't want to see OMS removed because it's one time when I actually enjoy being in an ambush with a vehicle. Well, I mean, I think. I think to, to some point, it's one of those things, like, I, I personally am not bothered by the way it works right now, because tanks, even in OMS, are not excessive anymore, simply because I would assume that most tank spammers have realized that uh, queuing for a mode where 50% of the time they can't play that way um, isn't working that well. Um, so I found it, it tastefully better. Um, there's still tanks in, in some cases, but they're manageable. Um and I think it plays okay in OMS, but obviously there is is a, a pretty big concern, um, you know, that uh, it's inconsistent on who can play what between the two game modes and being in the same queue. Also harkens back to the common community complaint about um, taking content out and not putting nothing back in. Yeah, also, I think overall we... Sorry, a couple, couple with, the, with new, the installation buffs that they're talking about with a uh, increased range and all that sort of stuff and you know, the OMS mode is going to give you the tools to deal with HMEs quite a bit more than it is. It, it does now to an extent, as, like, as long as you actually use them, you know, but people don't want to pick them up half the time because they're so weak. 
Well, my ideal solution was to restrict all mists to maybe LAVs, but that won't be possible either, so meh. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think the problem you run into is, and, you know, let me, again, I come at this from, you know, I like driving LAVs and I put a, a fair amount of SP into LAVs, but I drive, I, I fly dropships, you know, episodically and tanks truly on like drunk night Friday kind of stuff. Uh, but I, I don't like the idea of limiting uh, like roles if you will, inside of game modes. Now, I think, you know, vehicle counts is probably a legitimate way to do it. Like you only have X amount of them on the field. And I would tell you, like, and this is, again, this is my personal standpoint on it. I don't like the tank mechanics inside, uh, or I don't like tanks inside ambush all that much just because, you know, I've been a victim of the nine sand, you know, like five tanks on the field during a, a short ambush. I mean, that's ridiculous, but the map selection and the spawn mechanics in ambush contribute a lot to why people don't like tanks in ambush. I hate some of the auto spawn things because it's nowhere near anywhere close to described as smart deploy. Yeah, yeah, I, that's kind of one of the, that's one of the running jokes I think you have. And and the other thing, you know, ADSs are. I, I would tell you, I am far more concerned about an ADS than a tank, like by a long shot. Um, so. I just don't like the idea of like capping, capping whole like a swath of players or forcing them to play outside something that they've actually put SP into. Now, I, and I'll be I'll be frank with you. If I thought that we had the player base to support it, I'm kind of okay with having a vehicle, like a vehicle ambush and a non-vehicle ambush. And I think what you you would end up seeing if you had a big enough player base to support it is that you would see like tank battles and ADS battles in a tank ambush setting with maybe a, like a handful of infantry guys running around. Uh, and then you would probably see a lot more infantry on infantry with the odd, you know, vehicle being thrown in. Uh, if you, if you had Destroy the priority to support heaven. it. Yeah. And, and that's fine too. I mean, that's the things like it's at what point do you have a player base to support splitting the game modes? That's really the trick. I think Jack was right on the money though by saying that by boosting or maybe it was Iron Wolf. I apologize, but boosting the the installations a bit will certainly help in the OMS. I, I think removing it is just not a good idea. But uh, yeah, if if you give infantry better means to counter vehicles, I think that's it's going to go a lot longer than some people might anticipate. So I, I, I'd like to see how that goes and and go from there. Okay, cool. Um, what do you guys think about doubling the? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Iron Wolf. I just think it's just one of those things that needs to be addressed and fixed from the core from from the start in Legion. I mean, it's I mean, it's it will be nice if we can fix it in Dust, but that doesn't seem feasible at the moment. Yeah, no, I, I could see that. I, and and what would be truly uh, a tip of the hat is if you actually had a game mode that was a little bit more set up for vehicle drivers, like uh, that that would be kind of cool. And again, that's a nice to have thing. Again, probably in Legion, but I, I could totally get behind the idea of, you know, watching a almost like World of Tanks, you know, New Eden style go down. That that would be pretty interesting, you know, in all honesty. The uh, one of the other things I wanted to touch on was a little bit, which I and I think this is a, a really smart idea, uh, is doubling the uh, Warpoint requirement for OBs, which really affects pub matches. But that, you know, sounds sounds like a small thing, and it kind of is. But it, it would probably go a long way to helping out. I think uh, you know six-man squads can rack up, gosh, you know five, six OBs 
pretty easily if they know what they're doing. Well, there's uh, a slight. I think it's. There you go. One of my main concerns with the um, doubling the OB thing uh, is the simple fact that a lot of players still like to play on the roofs, and they're really hard to remove from there. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I mean, I think I think it just might be generally a little too high to say five thousand. Um, I mean, it definitely had to go higher because the number worked a lot better at twenty five hundred long before there were quite a few new things that added uh, more war point generation overall into the game, especially things like um, uh, vehicle damage, war points, and stuff like that. Um, and I'm trying to remember what else has been added, but there's been a couple different things I remember being added, uh, new ways to get war points, and the the requirement for an orbital was never brought up. But I, I, I mean, damage. yeah, I said that, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, the fact that we had four-man squads, and then we moved to six-man squads, and the threshold never changed. That that That's part of it. I, I know they added the, the headshot damage later on. I think the assist war points were added later, to some degree. Um, but you know the the thing is, is, I think it might be better if they were looking more at like thirty five hundred, four thousand, something like that. So um, maybe do it incrementally is what you're kind of getting at. Well, just just I mean, it it should still be at the point where people should be able to regularly see them to the you know, but not as excessively as it's gotten. I suppose the question the question becomes how often do they want an OB dropped on the on the match? Well, I, th- I mean, as you mentioned with the roofs, I, I think there's a cer- there's a certain amount that an orbital gives a chance for for your side to recover or change what you're gra- you're you're you know heading for to clear out a, a particular um, threat, and not having that as as often is is a game changer, and that is going to change things a lot. I think how much it should that's the question. Uh, I'm I'm not a totally fan of OB being an escalation reward. I've never been, uh, I've always been a proponent that it's an escalation reward in the game that prides itself on not being about escalation. Um, the whole idea being you can call in a tank, you don't need to get a certain amount of war points to call in a tank or uh, ADS or that. You, nothing else in this game is escalation. So, yeah, uh, aside from removing it and somehow putting another mechanic in to make them so they're available, uh, just to increase, yeah, probably to about. Three and a half to four thousand war points is probably the only thing we can do. At the yeah, moment, they're necessary mechanic to get people out of certain places. Yeah, I mean, fifty percent increase to bring you to thirty-seven fifty, which I think is pretty reasonable to kind of float around that area. Because, like I said, we've we went from four-man to six-man squads, so we increased that by fifty percent, but the war points didn't, and it made them a lot more uh, common to see. So I think they should be common, but not spammable. So I think pushing that up to maybe, you know, except the 3,500, 4,000 would probably be more reasonable. 5,000 is, is pretty damn high. Yeah, I'd, I, I'd, probably be looking, I'd probably be looking at each squad of six to have about maybe two OBs a match if, if they're at standard, running a standard. So you'd be looking at maybe a three and a half. So most most people can get, most squads of six can get around 1K each. Easy. Well, that's pretty fair. That's, that's the general number I'm just talking about. I don't know what CCB's thinking, but that's that's my general number I'd be looking at, thinking like, you know, each squad getting two OBs a, a match. Um, I, 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 I'm just, I'm sitting here kicking, kicking the idea around and, and I'm trying to think, think through how this is working. But like today I was running a six man squad for probably about two and a half hours, three hours. It's pretty, you know, pretty common for, you know, the folks I'm playing with. I, I think we were, I would say four out of six of us could pull, we're, we're pulling enough four points for solo OBs. Now you're obviously not going to do that 
if you're actually truly running solo, but just as a sense of scale, I was averaging somewhere around 3,000 more points per game, and then everybody else was not that far behind me. That's mostly because I'm running Logi for some really good heavies. So we were routinely pulling five and six a match, routinely. But I mean, the the thing is, is in some, I, I don't think new players should be completely locked out from the ability to get well, an orbital. No, no, and that, that's kind of, and yeah, you kind of, I should have clarified what I was saying. Like that's actually what I was thinking of is, like I can do that now, but like a year ago, that there's, uh, yeah, it's highly unlikely uh, that I would have been in that that kind of scenario. Um, that that's the that is kind of the rub is how do you how do you make it? I mean, I hate the word fair, but how do you make it accessible? At least that that sort of very cool part about the game, because like the first time you call an OB in, that's like you know, that's actually that's, that's pretty legit, you know, for the you know, I've never seen something like that before in a game. Um, so that's kind of the part that I'm kind of curious about is like what would be fair for at least accessibility? Because most of us in this channel, I mean, we've been playing for a long time, and and the reality is we can pull six dudes in that actually know what they're doing. And you can you can crush some shit, you know, to score war points. So I'm just kind of curious about that. Well, for um, this was basically a Project Legion idea, but I suggested to Wolfman since they're considering um individual player bandwidth. I suggested to him a team wide bandwidth that is a resource shared by the entire team that regenerates over time, and depending what you need team asset wise, is going to drain it. For example, if you have a whole bunch of vehicles on the field, your bandwidth is going to regenerate very slowly because those vehicles are constantly consuming it. And the idea is that um, teams with the well, squads with the highest amount of war points will then get the order of calling in team assets, such as a strike, and they'll go down the list. And the it would eventually allow anybody. It makes the orbital strike on a little bit more even on both sides because um, it's now a dedication of. Uh, do I need to uh, call down a whole bunch of vehicles in order to protect my assets, or do I wait and use the orbital strike to take out the enemy teams instead? That that would work well if we had assets to protect. Yeah, I, I think that would only also only work in something like PC or whatever the the PC aftermath is. Oh, the, the PC Correct. game is much better. We've already, already having space control to drop orbitals is actually pretty damn good. I I enjoy that. I think that's a really good way to do it. Yeah, because I don't see us calling down vehicles or calling down orbital strikes in um PVE mode or small um well PVE slash PVP so to say. Eh, yeah, I can kind of see that. I I'm actually having a laugh here. One of the comments in the chat is uh, a lot of this would be more fair. Basically, something this would work if tanks didn't laugh off orbital strikes. Which, by the way, I, for the record, a tank should not survive a fucking orbital strike. <laughs> That's that, that's a personal pet peeve of mine, anyway. It's a, it, it is the laser from space, if you will. It should kill the damn tank. It should blow well, a reason, hole in the ground. Well, the reason they can is because the damage isn't instantaneous. It, it's spread out over a second or two. And so while the first couple hits do do quite a bit of damage, it's already moved out of the way by the time you know the rest of it comes down. I mean, the reason that, that laser strikes are so powerful in, in PC against... Uh, against vehicles is because the damage is very fast. Those beams come down very quickly, and you can't move out of the way in time. But the, the war barge ones, you get hit by maybe two of the eight beams or, or whatever it is, and you're already gone. So, I mean, maybe amping up the speed at which they drop might actually help quite a bit. Yeah, yeah I think that would be fair enough. I mean, as uh, now, mind you, as much as I like uh, 
the you know the the notion of actually killing tanks with with uh, orbitals. Um, I have to say the one thing that I really missed from earlier builds of Dust um, was that you could see the targeting sensor ahead of time, and if you were actually actively you know playing as infantry or whatever, you could get out of the way in time. Whereas it, that's a lot harder now. Sometimes you know it's coming. You know it's you nah. know you're pretty sure it's in your area, know, and you man. can run when, away when from I, it. But when I hear the little whine of death, I just I just no matter where I'm at on the map, I just assume it's meant for me, and I start running. <laughs> no, it doesn't really matter. I've, I've been on the ground, and the OBs hit me in infantry suits. So, like literally on that uh, Galante Research Science Center, um, I was on the underground, and OB got dropped on me, and it blew me apart. Despite the fact I was actually underground and insulated from the damage. The the designation of what what is undercover and what is not is uh, seems to be uh, not random. perfect. Not perfect is what random, I'm going to go with. Uh, random, I'll say, because the guy next to me didn't get hit at all. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I mean, as I look, as I kind of, as I put on my, I wish this would be cool, cool for Legion hat for like ten seconds. If you arranged it where an orbital, like you're literally only pulling like maybe two or three a match total for your team if it was sort of evened out in some way where you had that and then you had destructible uh you some level of destructibility of the environment that would be uh pretty legit i mean that's very much like right out of the book templar one where they they sort of rolled out the the whole concept of the you know of the clone soldier is when that orbital strike comes down a it's rare two it's fucking serious and three when it touches down it's kind of like jackal said you're 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 affecting the you're environment. The yeah, you're infecting the you're affecting the environment. Destructible environments, though, unfortunately, uh, can take quite a bit of work. And depending on where you hit the orbital, is going to defend destruction. So you can't even do a procedural destruction based on that sort of thing. Like you know, a lot of games dummy it by uh, having separate meshes for different things. So if something gets hit with a, a bullet, you'll notice it cracks apart in most of the same way. Uh, you know, even if you hit it from a different angle, it'll still break apart the same way. They've got a procedural way to do it. If you're dropping an orbital strike that can hit anywhere on the map, um, you can't do that because you'll hit and destroy parts of things that have procedures that destroy from a different end or something like that. So also the, the amount of computation would be huge. The also the other thing you need to consider is what does destroyable environments bring to gameplay? I mean if you let's take uh line harvest right now, the map of all the pipes and uh, six towers. If you were to have the destructible pipes and they turn into roadblocks, that becomes part of the gameplay. And but you also lose the little bridge that's overlooking Bravo and Alpha, so it it penalizes you a bit as well. <laughs> I, I would I would absolutely love that. I was actually I uh, actually when uh, back in the E3 build, um, I was wishing that my RES would do that. I could actually put down a roadblock and things like HOV carcasses would stay there when you kill them in the middle of the road. So they they had to clear the carcass out of the way so they you before they actually get through there. You know, that, that was something that I dreamed of for, for Dust way back in closed beta. Unfortunately, the Unreal 3 engine doesn't support deformable silence. It's Un deformable does Unreal 4 support it? I, I, I don't know. It does, it does, but you have to code it in because everything's coded at the moment. It's all uh, it's all based programming language. There's nothing uh, pre-built like it, the Unreal 3 engine has. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, Mark. My eyes were glazing over. I just I heard like nerds firing back and forth at each other. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> nerdgasm. 
No, I, well, I, and I, I do. I, I, I seriously, I joke with the guys about that. But at the end of the day, it's this is. I mean, this is actually why you want you know a mix of people that can go in there and talk to CCP, like you know, from a technical standpoint. But uh, the, the other, the other piece of that is, I, I again, I, I'm just a gamer. I kind of come at it from, eh, this would be kind of cool to do. Now, I, I also like to be fairly well informed about what's even feasible or not, uh, so you don't get your hopes up too high. So I kind of poke fun at the guys about the nerdgasm thing, but, you know, it, it is what it is. You do have to kind of get smart on that kind of stuff a little bit. Um, there, there was a couple other very brief things I kind of want to kick around before we, we talked about. There's this one particular thing that is getting a lot of attraction on the uh, – the feedback side on Legion, I wanted to, I wanted to touch on, but let me hit a couple other real brief uh, items real quick here in Hotfix Charlie. The LP payouts being increased, and this is something that we've talked about on the show, at le- I think three times at least, in in some fairly specific level of detail. They didn't uh, mention I'm, anything about ISK increases, but it was very specifically LP increases. I, I would actually go for the ISK, ISK payouts, like make, make, make sure there's ISK payouts. You know, you should be able yeah, to do sure, sure, warfare sure. As, as a livelihood. You know, fair enough, double, like, I'd say probably double the LP payouts at the very least from um, participation and whatnot. But don't make it three times and add on a, a, a you know, moderately substantial ISK payout because a lot of the LP stuff um, requires ISK as well. Yep. Alternatively, we can remove the ESC price from the LP items. Well, you can do that. That would also be handy if that was the case, but I'd, I'd still prefer to see the ISC in there so they can show up the things that aren't in the LP store, um, such as uh, the new commando suits. They're not in the LP store for a lot of them and stuff like that. Stuff that isn't actually in the LP store yet, they can then get with ISC from Faction Warfare to show up their fits. No, I, I, I think that'd be pretty legit. I hadn't thought about that, of removing the ISK from the cost, but I, I do kind of like having that small layer of of ISK uh, injected with the LP. I, I Frankly, I think I think increasing the, the loyalty point, you know, by, by a factor is, is long needed. Uh, now, what I'm curious about is what you guys think is the right, right level of LP, because I've seen some of the guys in the forums that did some pretty handy calculation when you take like a Duval assault rifle. And then you, uh, not the not the specialist Duval assault rifle, but the you know, the basic proto exchange from an LP store to uh, the regular market. They've done the exchange rate of LP to to ISK, and I'm kind of curious where you guys think that uh, how much should you increase the LP? You you need to be able to to live in Facwar if if that's your play style is really the thing to me. It, so it, it needs to be equivalent to the point that you can actually buy suits with it. Full full fits that, you know, are roughly equivalent to how many you might expect to lose playing in Facor. I mean, that's assuming that you're you're living, you're, you're killing and dying at a reasonable rate. I mean, if you're getting blown away 20 times a match, that's, right. that's right. not sustainable. And but if, if you're giving the average KDR, you're, you're, you're doing like the average play, you should be able to, 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 to pull a bit of a profit in terms of your LP or at least... Exactly. Even and hopefully give me a little isk for some action. And of profit, course, but... a big difference there too is that um, you know I, I think it may even be needed to to buff the the LP if you're losing. But the point is 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 that a, a match that you lose, you're not getting as much. You're probably not going to be at a sustainable point if you keep losing matches in Facwar. So yeah, there's, there's in, a distinct normal... drive to win. Yeah, whereas in normal normal pub matches, you know, whether you win or lose, you generally get the same same kind of payouts, depending on how your performance was, not your whole team's. 
And perhaps that's a problem too. <laughs> I would love players to actually strive to win matches. Oh, I, I would agree with that too, personally. But the the idea is we have to balance it for one way or other. Either we make it so but, losing isn't yeah. as impactful on your bottom line, or we make it so losing is, well, is impactful across all. Here, well, here's the all. thing, though. I I could argue differently. Is is that I would say that if you look at Facor, you know, that's a that is a step up, and if, if you know. I know there's people who've suggested that Facor and PC should sit on roughly the same level, but if you think about it, you go from um, PC, where who you play with largely doesn't matter because your your points are based on your performance, your your rewards are based on your performance, and then you get to the the um, Facor where there's you know winning is very important because that's a large port portion of how much your payout is, but if you lose, you get a little bit to PC where you get all or nothing. You either get a decent payout or you go home with nothing. And so there is kind of a scaling aspect to that on how much you need to focus on playing with your team and working for that victory. Well, I mean, what you're describing though, I mean, like uh, a victory bonus, like if it was a significant enough one, that that would clearly engender team play. You know, you're not gonna like. Which it, is it, important when you get to yeah, no, no, I, and trust me, I'm with you on that. But but the thing is, like that, you know, I can make a pretty clear argument that the best team play you're gonna see in the game right now is still in PC, um, because that's actually a team, not a squad, like like a bunch of random squads thrown together. In fact, where the squads might be very cohesive and very skilled, and you, you get, you know, obviously get the Q-Sync guys every once in a while, but you're not going to get a full 16-man team, usually, in fact, or, um, whereas in PC, that's like a purpose-built team, usually. Um, now, I, I trust me, I'm a big fan of incentivizing winning because I think that does drive team play. Uh, but one thing you kind of get, you guys kind of actually – cued something up for me that made me think about this and it was actually part of the discussions that kind of circle it back we uh, a lot of folks in the logi thread for hotfix charlie was talking about this is much like with the ads's and some other you know havs back in the day it is very expensive to for certain kinds of play styles and pokey i think he said something effect was like you know what is you know what's the normal amount you should what's your normal kdr which by the way i do not like KDR as a measure of anything, but what is the acceptable level of loss before you break even or or before you go underwater, rather? Uh, because that affects not just FAC or an LP, but that affects everything you're driving in the game. Like my Logi suits cost a lot when you're running high-end stuff, uh, much more so than any other infantry suit floating around out there. So I'm just kind of curious, what, how do you guys... Do you think that's just too hard to tackle at this point in terms of like cost leveling? Well, I mean, it, it kind of comes down to the whole risk reward. I mean, this is like what what Zell was saying that it needs to be the, the 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 loss in a faction warfare should hurt a lot more than it does in a uh, a P, in like a pub match. But I think that even if you lose, you should come at least damn close to breaking even. Like I said, given a, a normal amount of, of of loss. So I mean. You need to kind of look at it like on an average person, how much they're going to lose, and how many deaths. I mean, there's analytics for that. I'm sure. I'm sure there's the average death per match in, in faction warfare they can look at. And I think you should come at least close to to breaking even. Maybe not a profit, but close based off of those numbers. And then obviously a win would give you a much bigger chunk, and so you're getting a bigger reward for that risk of maybe not gaining anything like you would like in a pub match, where winning or losing doesn't really matter that much. So 
like I said, look at the analytics. I mean, we don't have those numbers, but that's something they should definitely take a look at and think, you know, what's what's the break-even point? Maybe tone it down a little bit for, for, for a loss and then really ramp up that win to give people a strong reward. Yeah, um, that, that I think that's that's probably a good start point. Like I said, a lot of things need to be incremental, but I think that would that would probably help out a fair amount. Um, you know, kind of at this point, you know, we're hitting about an hour fifteen, so I kind of wanted to transition to for a few minutes over to kind of purely a legion discussion. And there's been a lot of interesting stuff getting thrown around on the feedback forums um, about uh, some different upcoming legion thoughts. And one of the ones that they they thought they kicked around a little bit was the idea they call it sky spawning by the way which i it took me a minute to cycle through all the discussions to understand where that came from but um in iron wolf your other or anybody else in the room by the way please feel free to jump in on this i what it sounds like is they're looking to really tune some of the different spawn mechanics to give you some options uh as you're coming in so that you're not I mean, basically, they're looking at it. It sounds like almost like a total revamp of the spawn mechanics that we have now. So the way, if I'm reading this correctly, by the way, and please feel free to correct me if I'm not, that a sky spawn would work is that you would see an uplink or a spawn point, and then it would release you, or you would like hit the atmosphere. Not unlike the you know the Eve Legion trailer from last year, where you're essentially halo dropping in, and then you could kind of guide yourself in the air, utilizing that spawn beacon as sort of a center point. Uh, and uh, I was kind of wondering what you guys thought about that, or if you've seen anything else in the Legion forums uh, that piqued your interest. But I kind of wanted to tee that one up uh, and what you guys think about that. Personally, I'm, I'm not a fan of the this guy's spawn mechanic. I can understand why they would want to do it and why it would work in in situations for you know, randomizing spawns and helping avoid the spawn canvas. But the actual mechanic itself... It, it detracts from, in my opinion, player-based ingenuity. At the moment, sky spawning is completely possible. Um, you get a guy with a CAU and a and a um, an MCAU and a dropship flying above the uh, flying above the thing. You can sky spawn. We do. We, we have done it, and it, it is quite effective. You know, so I can see why people would want it. But doing it as a player, as as a play interaction, in my opinion, trumps doing it as an NPC in involved thing so if it is put in i'd much prefer to see it put in just public matches and maybe fact war um well things like things like almost play that should should in, in, inspire team play i'd rather not see it there it needs to be stated that the that the sky spawning discussion was very specifically in reference to um the quote-unquote salvage mode, which is not a conventional battle, but more of a um, more their their kind of PVE open world aspect areas, from from my understanding. So they weren't even talking about whether or not this would be um, a methodology for for like a standard um, you know sixteen v sixteen match type of type of thing. Um, so so first and foremost, there's that um, they're they're talking about a completely different game mode, um, and. So I, I I like the idea as an option. I do not think it should be the only option. Um, I I certainly think there there needs to still be CRUs and 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 bases on the ground as well. Um, particularly for for being the purposes of being covert. Um, since a a giant pretty um uh, inertial damper in fa- effect from the sky is is rarely covert. Um, but. The, the big thing that, that kind of irks me, and I know this is not a gameplay thing as much as a, as a lore thing, is I, I still think the uh, 
micro wormhole uh, explanation for drop up links is dumb, and uh, apparently this sky spawn thing is going to. And this this sky spawn thing is going to be like aerial drop up links where they wormhole you into a spot above the air, and I'm like, no, put a drop ship in there, do a little fancy animation, have a drop ship come down, and and people drop out of it. You just put it above the flight ceiling or something, but it, you know the standard flight ceiling. But the idea that they're they're just going to magically spawn people in the air, um, it, that that irks me. It you know there's there's no reason for it. This actually kind of brings up an, an interesting point that uh, for those of you who played Mag, it was it was kind of an interesting mechanic that in a progressive game mode you would you would push forward and at one point there was a an anti air battery that you could as an attacker blow up and if you blew up that anti anti air battery it allowed you to basically airdrop in with a parachute from a, a plane which gave you a forward spawn and you could kind of control where you landed and you could you know move from there so I think perhaps a mechanic where you've got a sky spawn, but you as an attacker have to do something first to, to achieve that and then give the defenders a way to, you know, repair the defense relay or whatever to, to reverse that effect. I think that would be really we, quite we cool. Have, I, I would argue we already have that. You put a drop ship in the air with an MCAU on Hey, look, your sky spawn Yeah. I'm sitting here reading Wolfman's post on this and, and basically um, let's see. Uh, it says they were using testing low orbital drops and salvage. And, and by the way, Soraya is right. It is primarily for their PVE mode. But uh, one of the things that struck me is like it, if they if the devs like it, I can't imagine it wouldn't make it into other game modes. Um, and basically, it says up until now we've been using fixed spawn points and shock core. Some mean spirited people will like to camp them. Well, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that is how first person shooter games work, unfortunately. Um, so what they're trying to do is, I mean, I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to put more power or more, um, more control over, you know, that spawn to, to give the player at least the, the, the feel that he's got, you know, he, you know, he's going to live more than three seconds, basically, if it's going bad, but it kind of says there's no, there's no default spawns. You're, you deploy when you're dropped at a random location on map and the links and LOD beacons are can be used to set up their own bases of operation. So it doesn't necessarily sound like they are like using this, they're foregoing the use of the normal drop-up link. Uh, but it also, one of the interesting things that did catch my eyes is drop-up links and LOD, be, LOD beacons. I'm not entirely sure what that is. Um, low are orbit. You? Okay, go ahead. What was it? Low, low orbit deployment. deployment. Okay, cool. Uh, that those uplinks and beacons are only usable by the player that deployed them and his squad. That's actually, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of okay with that to a degree, but I would also say that in a lot of game modes, at least in Dust, if you're a smart player that knows how to use uplinks um, and you're playing solo or you're running with a short squad, that's a that's a pretty serious, you know, method of pulling more points if you know what you're doing about placing uplinks um, that you would clearly be limiting if you did it this way. What what my concern is as well uh, on top of everything else as well I'll bring another one. Um, well, in, in games that do have sky spawning, which I'll, I'll note one game of note, uh, Section Eight, Section Eight, um, and the sequel Section Eight creatures have sky spawning in multiplayer, and it's a good mechanic in that. However, there are and you can spawn anywhere on the map. You know, you can choose where you spawn to an extent. However. There, are, there is a way to counter it by putting down uh, equipment called anti-air batteries that will shoot you down as you as you try to if you try to land in their radius. Instituting something like that to, in order to counter sky spawning may be something that you needs to be looked at as well. If they, if they plan on going ahead with it. 
that's kind of what I was getting at before. I was talking about the the anti air battery. There was there'd be ways to counter it that were you know player driven. Another interesting aspect of sky spawning is that when you're falling down from the sky, actually you have a good idea what's going down underground before you land. So hopefully you won't get um as easily camped. There's arguments both for and against it. I'm I'm just not a fan of uh, an NPC mechanic that takes away something the players can already do. They just don't because it's not efficient enough. If they make it more efficient to actually do player-controlled sky spawning, then I'd see that as a much bigger advantage. Well, you could also, also push it as a as like a like for example, if you're holding the objective and you're spawning in the objective, you don't spawn at the objective. You sky spawn above the objective and you can drop in or you can do the player driven sky spawn where you've got a drop ship and you've got a lot more flexibility in where you're going to actually do the drop but, the, but there's not there's, there's not enough incentive to do that at the moment that's the problem um a you, you don't get spawn points from mcius that's still something that's hotly debated about people who have mcius and they're in their vehicles you know they get these by spawning in we get transport assist now um, which is great, and we can keep getting them for a very long time. I've noticed. I've actually had them have one guy feeding me transport assist in, for an entire match. You know, I don't know how or what. Uh, it was based on the mechanic of where you're standing and how you managed to keep getting assists, and so it kept renewing the buff and stuff like that. Um, but there's not enough incentive to actually. Hey, there's a guy in a dropship there. He's above the point I want to get into. I'll spawn in him and drop out of his dropship. There's no incentive to do it unless you're in, already in a squad. Also, that's another th factor you have to consider for the salvage mode, that the largest team size you're going to get on your side is a squad. So that's the reason why you're going to be missing out all the more points. Hmm. Okay. So, so in, my, in my opinion, just incentivizing what we already have, which is we already have a sky spawn ability. It's not a mechanic per se, but we can do it as it stands. Incentivizing that would be a much preferable way of getting getting something like that into the game than just putting in um, a random wormhole generator on the the wallbars that pops you into the air above above a random location on the map. As, sorry, as a, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Law no, <laughs> I, I could I could actually see kind of uh, like said arguments you know for and against and. And in a weird way, if if the salvage mechanism or, or the you know, the salvage mode is kind of more of a uh, a PVE like small unit sort of uh, you know ambush feel, but not as horrendous kind of thing, I, I could actually kind of see the idea of not really having you know like no MCC above you basically, but like a dropship flies and you, it just kicks you out like it like your halo dropping right over over the objective kind of thing or correction the the battle area and and you get to work doing your thing that way uh or maybe like one or two cru's fall from the sky kind of like they do now um but the, the mechanic itself the way they're describing it by the way i want to give ccp some props on this the way wolfman describes it it does actually sound like a really neat tool and i think the way i come down on it right now clearly having not actually seen any of this um but just how i visualize it in my head i think this would be a really neat uh, option to give players. I don't know that it's necessarily, I don't know why you would have this in one PVE mode versus any other mode. That's kind of one of the reasons I, I, I probably didn't clarify it and appreciate Sarai doing that is if it works for only one mode, I'm not really sure why they wouldn't inject it into other modes if that, you know, at least that's where I'm coming from on it. It sounds really cool. It sounds like a neat idea that I would like to have as an option but I don't know that I'm sold on it uh, being the way. Does that kind of make sense, guys? 
Yeah, and I, I fully agree. I think it needs to be a method of spawning, not the method of spawning. Um, I mean, I've always felt CRUs need to be a very, very, uh, and more valuable resource than they are right now. I heard that. I can hear him murmuring in there. <laughs> yeah, he's it's so, so going on something about uplinks and needles and I don't know. It's kill, kill the uplinks. Just kill them. Just kill the uplinks. Toss them all. Toss them all. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. If if the day that I can call in my own CRU is the day I'll say you can get rid of my uplink. That's, that's fair. Because that's we were I'll supposed to be able to I'll call in our, our CRU, our own CRUs. Uh, there's there's you can still um. Go to the installations tab on the market, right? Yeah, you're yeah. right. But There's still no, nothing there. That's okay. I mean, th- th- these are all these kind of neat little things that we look forward to uh, hopefully getting is- installed in Legion. Uh, and we're we're getting it at about an hour twenty five, almost an hour thirty. Uh, so we're probably going to go ahead and uh, start ramping it down a little bit, guys. We talked about some pretty pretty neat things tonight. Uh, we a little bit about getting out the vote uh, for the CPM election. You still got about a week to vote. Highly recommend that everybody listening tell your tell your pizos, tell your new bros if they've got enough, uh, you know, time and game, uh, you know, and longevity to qualify for voting. Get them out there, get them voting. I mean, it can't, it certainly can't hurt. And if you're um, a little short on vote uh, on on the number of hours, that means you've got some match time to cram in over the next week. Yeah, that's actually a great point. I've known, I've actually did know a couple of people that uh, that basically stopped playing on their mains for the last week or so. And really amped it up on their alts, literally just to get over the last few hours they needed to uh, to qualify. So again, uh, talked a little bit about getting out the vote. And, and again, I, I can't stress this enough. No matter what you think about the, C- the CPM process right now, if you want the, CC- the CPM process to work in the long term, you, you, de- you do need to have a certain level of support for it. Even if your personal candidate may not get in or may not be voted in number one, chances are with 20 people running in seven seats, there's going to be at least two or three people on there that you trust or you think uh, can help carry the mail for you as a player. So be part of the process. Um, the second thing we talked about and really which ate up the vast majority of the time was really the kind of the grocery list that CCP or Toddy put out for uh, Hotfix Charlie. And, and one, kudos to him for putting that out. That like the we can't say it enough. The way he's iterating with the community, that that's very much in, in, a, in a way that, that how you see CCP Fozzie doing it on the east side, um, who does a lot in terms of ship balance. Um, so this is something that I think is a clear positive movement and a clear positive change for CCP. And, uh, and not only that, but when you go into the Legion side, again, a lot of continued dev interaction with the community. And then, you know, kind of behind the scenes, you obviously have the CPM sharpening things or making sure that the that the communication pipelines are wide open uh, from CCP and down to the players in, in both ways. So, again, a lot of good stuff in Hotfix, Charlie. We talked about assault suits, Logi suits, scout suits, a lot of the stuff on the margins in terms of, you know, how the war points uh, may be changing uh, to, to provide orbitals, things like that. That's kind of a hotly contested one, along with increased LP payouts. There's a ton of other little things in there we didn't talk about, guys. So highly recommend you hop on the forums and check that out. And then what we did is we kind of closed it out a little bit with uh, some of the interesting things that they've been putting out about Legion uh, concepts or ideas, the Sky Spawn in particular, which I think broadly we all agree is, is sounds really neat and like a good option. But not real sold that that needs to be the sole mechanic on how to get to work uh, if you're if you're a merc in the New Eden world. 
Um, but I, I, you know, that said, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. They're trying to come up with some new and some innovative stuff. So if only for that, that sounds like a really cool option. I'd probably want to know a lot more before I, you know, I voted in on that one. Uh, and the other thing is I, I also don't buy that it's purely going to be for one game mode either, because if it works there, there's no way they're not going to try to involve it in the other game modes. Um, and with that, what we'll do is we'll kind of go right down the line and uh, cough up some shout outs to everybody and we'll call it a night. Uh, Zell, if you don't mind leading us off. Yeah, um, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, CCP Rotati because um, for listening and because uh, he's awesome. Um, and a shout out to uh, Luther Mandrix, who has a, a, from my alliance, who has a has a cool th- three votes um, that he, he can put out. Um, I actually think he I think he put Cross first though, so you know, Cross is a good candidate though. Um, uh, that's my shout out. Okie dokie, and Iron Wolf. I like to give a shout out to CCP Frame and C- uh, CPM Hans um, Jaeger Blitzen for uh, putting up with me. That is yeoman's work indeed. Um, that's also that's also almost worth a double shout out. Uh, Derry. Uh, shout out to uh, my core Boshi. Uh, shout out to the Alliance uh, Core Intervention, and shout out to all our listeners. Thanks for putting up with us for uh, an hour and a half, two hours every week. Sounds good, brother. Uh, Pokey. Shout out to OSG and a shout out to everyone who got out there and voted. You know, it's it really shows your dedication to the game, and I'm I'm really happy to see it, regardless of who you voted for. You know, it, it's good to actually have players involved, and I hope you get the candidates you wanted. So, uh, if you haven't voted yet, get out there and do it. And uh, shout out to you guys then too. Outstanding and Black Jackal. Shout out to my corp, Southern Legion, my Alliance, Final Resolution, and the Greater Dust community. You guys have been wonderful in, in most respects. Shout out to, a special shout out to CEO Pyrex Clone A. You know, I see you there. I know what you're doing. And a special shout out again to my two boys, uh, Scott, and, Scott and Hunter, who have been annoying me this whole podcast. So I had to shout out to them. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And uh, I'm Jason Larrison, and uh, I got a couple couple quick shout outs to, to the gang. Uh, one to Cat Merck. Uh, appreciate the feedback uh, over on the Skype channel. So thank you very much. And to Crazy Cat Lady for starting the Logi Thread Knot uh, that you see a lot of us dedicated Logi bros trying to jump onto in reference to Hotfix Charlie. Uh, and I think that'll close it out for the shout outs this week. And guys, again, I really appreciate everybody joining us for the latest episode of Biomast. We'll have this up later tonight. Uh, as always, a lot of fun, and uh, we, we do thrive on your feedback. We, we honestly do. Oh, wait, hold on. And this is a great example of feedback to Arunus Geneforge. Shout out to you for meh in the Skype channel. Um, I really do appreciate the feedback that we get, and so does Pokey, Sarai, and Derry. It, it really helps us make the show better. So thanks a lot. And again, please ping us if you've got topics you want us to, want us to touch on or if you've got uh, – uh, different guests or something like that you'd really like us to kind of jump in on. We'd love to have your feedback on that. And you can always check us out at biomass.net. That's where our episode library is. And we're also on iTunes. So with that, we're going to bring this to a close. And guys, appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>